0: Okay. It
1: happens here. And it finishes here. Two men enter. One man. It was
0: merely a two-word review it just a shit sandwich. I won't roll the record up to the last That right there is a, a lot, lot of awesome. Welcome back, fellow Music Glovers. You are now tuned into yet another exciting adventure with us here on Discologist. I'm your host, Kevin, as usual, coming to you live from a tiny shack. We're so happy to have you here hanging out again. we am going to talk to you about some jazz today. Or is it post-rock? Or is it post-punk? Or is it, uh, is it Fugazi Light? If you call it Fugazi Light, you are banned for music Forever. I'm talking about the Mesthetics. Brandon Canty, Joe Lally, you know who they are. Anthony Perogues, you should know who he is because he is one of the best jazz guitarists on the planet right now. Uh, they have a trio called the Maesthetics. In 2017, they put out this remarkable album uh, and did some shows around and around D.C. I was lucky enough to see a few of them. Uh, and then took it on the road. And people like obviously loved it because it was obviously great. Somewhere... During all that touring and shows, they found time to make another album. Anthropocosmic Nest is out now, and it is a little more um, experimental than the first one. And to my mind, a lot more satisfying, which is that's hard to do because the first album was phenomenal. This sort of lets uh, Anthony off the leash. If you will, to uh, to bring a lot more jazz into this. And it, it you hear him play, if you haven't hit, heard him play, you're going to hear him crush it like he always does. But also you're going to hear Brendan Canty and Joe Lally play like maybe you never have before uh, it is uh, one of 2019's biggest surprises for me. I didn't know it was coming, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Joining me to talk about that is Wes Covey in a few minutes. Before that, I know you guys love music, and that's why you're going to love OsirisPod.com. We are part of the Osiris Network, Us and Dead to Me, our uh, podcast all about the Grateful Dead, hosted by Casey Ray. And if you go there, they have a bunch of shows that are all have one thing in mind is to get music into your face and into your ears and into your heart they're out there uh, carrying on the the important discussions, the good discussions the entertaining discussions about all the artists you love. They are also partnered with Jambase, who back in the day was just simply a show calendar they have evolved to be a catch all for all things going on in the jam world, live coverage uh, live streams um, album premieres I think is going on there jambass.com you can go there and see all that and uh, so we are so happy to be working with them these days. Uh, so if you are ready now and the bills are paid, why don't we jump right into this Mesthetics album? And and I and I hope if you're out there and you haven't heard this, you are in for such a treat. Such a treat man. Here is Dropfoot from the Mesthetics Anthropocosmic Nest. That's a little bit of drop foot from the Mesthetics' new LP, Cosmic <laughs> Nest. Uh, Mesthetics, if you don't know, are made up of documentary filmmaker Brendan Canty, basis for hire Joe Lolly, and possibly the greatest jazz guitarist living today, Anthony Pirogue and, uh, and you know, those other professions, they, the, the rhythm section is Fugazi guys. Like just so we're, we have a thing. I have heard a of thing, them, Yeah. You've heard of them. I have a thing about this band when they first got pitched as people like Fugazi with Anthony Pirogue. And it's like, well, yes, but, but Anthony Pirogue is, is a beast, which we're going to talk about here. Uh, this, I honestly didn't see this one coming. I, I just, I knew they were out touring. I didn't think there was going to be another album necessarily. It's a very loose affiliation. This band used to play the shows. The first shows were at this little place in D.C. called Do Drop In, which was up near our old HQ, which is literally just a shitty bar. There's no stage. They just set up there, and and you would be sitting there, and like uh, Ian MacKay be sitting on the hall to the left, and all the punk kids show up because of the cred, uh, and also uh, some jazz heads show up because they know Anthony's work. Uh, the first record was a little more... I don't know how would you put it Wes. It was a little more uh
1: clean. Yeah, I mean it's a little hard to say cuz I didn't really get into the first record so I didn't, you know, I listened to it a few times. Um I yeah. definitely it just I mean, you know, we, we'll talk a little bit of this as we go. It it just didn't really connect with me. Um yeah. and I think part a lot of that is just where I was, what I was listening to at the time and stuff like that, but um but yeah. Yeah. So I, I honestly I, I don't have a ton to say about that first one. It is well played. It is well performed. It yeah. Didn't as you would really expect. grab me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, these are very, very talented players without a doubt. They're creative players. They're doing cool stuff.
0: Yeah. The first that more, the, the, the first record felt a
1: little more post rock to me,
0: Um, mm-hmm. which was, again, felt to me as if. Uh, I like, this is, this is like, there's nobody telling anybody what to do in this. Nobody's like, Anthony, sit the fuck down. Um, but it, it felt a little more post rock and, and, and not unleashing the jazz god they had. And, and the biggest and most welcome change to this album is that they do. This is by far Anthony's album. This is him front and center. This is a modern, for me, a modern jazz fusion, like classic. Yeah. Like, it it's it, it so plays into all this like rich history of the stuff that he has experienced in D.C. Uh, his his involvement with the DIY scene, the Fugazi guys, but then lays on top of it his other work as just this jazz guitar master. There are moments on here that are, uh, for my money, as good as like any like late seventies Al Di Meola, mm-hmm. which which is that's the reason I started playing guitar. And and so to hear all this. It's so kind and so of important. I, like, yeah. And, and a little like to step back, like anytime we see these guys live, I can't talk to Anthony because I am so in awe of his talent. But, uh, but you know, there's a lot of that. But surprisingly, and this, this made me laugh, um, there's a lot of. Uh, Joe Satriani and Steve <laughs>
1: and, and, and which, which is, is weird because I like this well, album and I don't like this. Well, <laughs> I, I want to
0: talk about that a little bit before we get to uh, – I'm going to play a little track uh, eventually sort of demonstrating that. It is – in the 90s, there was uh, – first of all, there's this uh, device that came out called the Eventide H3000. Mm-hmm. The Eventide H3000, I don't know if you're familiar with it, Wes, but it was – I've never played a, with one, but yeah. It was, a, it was a, it was an expensive box. It was a, it was a pedal board that was the size of a car. It was, it was at a time when, when these things just didn't quite exist. And so they were for the very rich or the very experimental. And, uh, who would get a hold of them would be, uh, Joe Satriani and Steve Vai. You also had people back then. This is in 1989 and 1990. Uh, Eric Johnson, the Cliffs of Dover song, guys. I mean, everybody knows that song. And, this weird triptych of albums came out then, Flying in a Blue Dream from Satriani, Passion and Warfare from Steve Vai, which is still just the fucking most ridiculous album, and Avia Musicon via Eric Johnson. For guitar nerds, this was uh, peak uh, success, basically. It's like, we have made it. And part of it was this little device made you sound like a god. I never owned one. I certainly played through one, and, it, and I wasn't good. But when I played through this... It made you sound like a god. And that's how people tend to use like technology like that, I think, early on, uh, is that you have a bunch of people who aren't aren't quite grasping it and and then you have the people who are masters of it. These guys are masters of it. I'm not saying Anthony is using a heaven tide on this. I'm just saying he definitely had to have heard those records. Hmm. Because uh there, there are moments on here that and, and what was fun about those records actually is that they were like just sheer guitar nerdery. Like, completely guitar nerdy. But there were moments on here that sound uh, that sound exactly like Cetra. And let me, let me play you a little bit of what I'm talking about here. This is a little bit of better than this. triumphant. It is uh, cosmic. It is out there in and, space. And it in many ways begs you not to take it seriously. Um, but you should because it, it, man, you don't just come by this aesthetic. It's brave
1: to like put yourself out
0: there in that mode. Would you
1: say? Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's – you know, it's an interesting thing. I don't like Steve Vai. I don't like Satriani. It's like <laughs> – so much it's a funny thing like i i have a really weird relationship with guitar music is is you know part of what i've been kind of like thinking about with this one you know as i said earlier like i didn't really connect to that first album as much i think a lot of that is yeah. just because at the time that it came out i was i you mean know, as as you know i've been really deep down the jazz hole the last few years yep. um and you know it was just i think at that point was kind of like right in the middle of it and i you know i heard first that you know, it was Fugazi rhythm section, and I was kind of like, "Oh, well, obviously, like, you know, I'm a huge Fugazi fan. Like, obviously, that's going to be intriguing to me." And then I heard like, "Oh, and then this guy, um, and and you know, I obviously, you know, as I said, like, I you know, I know him. I, I love Fugazi. I um Pyrog was a new name to me. Um, I heard." about him and kind of so let me know at first it's just like all right well if he's playing with those guys there's got to be a you know a a pretty established level of talent like okay you don't just stumble into that gig um that said when i started to hear more about him and what he really did it's kind of like okay this is going to be somebody to really pay attention to and i was hearing this jazz guitar player you know references coming around and i was like okay well cool i'm gonna go check this out i'm not a huge guitar jazz fan for one thing Um, interesting you know, I tend if I'm if I'm listening to jazz, I tend to want horns. I'm a huge like jazz bass fan. You know, so I focus a lot of my attention on that. But I, I generally, outside of people like Grant Green, um, you know, a few other players, like I'm not a Pat Matheny fan. Um, I'm is it not, the
0: fusion that turns you off? Because I mean, that's, that look that's a, that's a barrier to entry. Yeah, if historically, you, it has. You
1: know, because yeah.
0: you hear it and it's always the guys who like are gonna do the coolest yeah. shit, mm-hmm. but with the lamest effects.
1: Yes, and a lot of it is definitely the effects. I mean, I I do. Yep. Obviously, I appreciate the talent behind a lot of that stuff, Um, but I mean, even when you go back to, like, I mean, you you know, you take Wes Montgomery or Charlie Christian, like, you know, some of the early revolutionaries of jazz guitar. Like, I just. When I, I tend when I'm listening to guitar music to be more, largely, I guess, more of an acoustic guitar fan. Um, sure, you know, I really sure. love a lot of, um, like, I mean, my, 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 favorite guitar players when I really think about it, you know, it's Nick Drake, it's Burt Janch, it's John Renborn, you know, it's that kind of stuff that I really love. Um, all not, famous for not shredding. Not, not shredders. <laughs> not shredders, yeah. You know, and, and I love Neil Young. I love a lot of, um, you know, people who play the hell out of an electric guitar. Um, and I love punk. I love metal, you know, but it's um for some reason, like guitar jazz, as I said, just just never really grabbed me again with some exceptions like Grant Green. Um I don't know. Once you get into the Satriani, the Steve Vai, stuff like that, like it's just guys masturbating and I'm just like, yeah, no,
0: no, it's not that. like,
1: yes, it impresses me in terms of like, I, I appreciate that it takes a lot of talent to do that. You know, it is not an easy thing to do. It takes a ton of practice, a ton of thing, but I just don't really care Um you're not showing me You're anything breaking heart, other right. than you can move your fingers quickly.
0: Is that an Ibanez in the background there? Well, come, <laughs> come on, <man. laughs> no. Uh, no, no, I hear you, and that, that's that's a, that, like I said, that's a that's a big big barrier to entry. That is a thing. Uh, he, jazz, look, jazz, as we've talked about, is hard, anyways. Yeah, for people um, who aren't just naturally inclined to that, and. When you add on top of that this sort of unabashed love for an instrument that really gets awkward, like you don't – you don't want to tell people that shit out loud. Yeah. But you but you, but you just made a record about it. Um, uh, You know, I think uh, with like the Aldi and all this stuff, like what, what drew me into him was seeing him on stage. I think it was a, a show at the Kennedy Center and PBS was broadcasting it and he had old Roland uh, – Synth guitar, hmm. so the way those worked is you have your guitar and then you have a special pickup at the bottom, and that runs through it can you can run it through an eventide, but it runs through this whole thing and all of a sudden he 's playing uh, he 's playing the flute on part of the strings because you could assign it to certain strings, so just one string could be the thing and and he 's doing all these like amazingly complex instrumental uh, runs with it that sounded like three or four instruments, and hmm. I was like okay that 's That's what guitar is for that. You know, and that shows up on this track, uh, because the mountain says so. So you get about like halfway through that song, and it just gets into the. It's it's not space whales. (laughs) It's certainly not like Steve Howe, but it is. Um, now later in life, it feels like refined to me, Hmm. and it feels like a a way, uh, almost a literal. Representation of the exploration that most jazz players, I think, are going for is to tap into something cosmic and do something Mm -hmm. a little more cerebral. Mm -hmm. And this is just saying, well, yeah, what if it was fun? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And, and, and so that I've I've really come around to a lot of like jazz fusion stuff because Mm -hmm. I can, I can just sort of say, okay, this is, they're just being nerds over here. Yeah. What's the actual content going on underneath it? Uh, and, and, and so like stuff like this hits for me. If you look at a song like Pay Dust, like that's almost straight jazz, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, so there is this balance back and forth in this record where uh, he is just moving in and out of his world and the Fugazi rhythm section world, and yeah, and, and they're and they're not not just willing to follow him along; they're they're like intensely capable of
1: it. Well, and which it's- is, I, I was going to say, I don't, I don't feel like, well, I completely agree. You know, you said earlier, like this really is his record. It's, you know, I mean, I think, you know, as I said earlier, when I first heard about the band, it was Fugazi rhythm section plus this other guy, you know, and you kind of commented on that. And I think that that's where a lot of the, you, you get two people together from a band as legendary as Fugazi. Um, That's going to be part of the commentary when they do something new. Like, of course. Yeah. Um and then I think, you know, little by little, it was kind of like, hang on, this isn't just somebody else playing along with them, Um, you know, yep. but I think I don't feel at all like I mean, this is definitely a band doing something that only the three of them could be doing together. Um, It doesn't just really sound good. to me like two guys accompanying him, Um, nor does it sound like two guys who know each other really well with a third person playing with them. Like, it sounds like a really cohesive um, unit to me. Um, and one of the things that I really like is how well on this album it, it fits together those sounds. Like, as you said, there's a ton of relatively straightforward jazz in here with a fair amount of exploration, a fair mm-hmm. amount of, you know, cosmic searching, spiritual searching, whatever you want to call it. That said, I think the thing that I'm actually really loving about this album – more, um, and maybe the reason that I'm connecting with this one at this time in my life is that as I'm kind of starting, like, you know, I'm still listening to a ton of jazz, but as I'm starting to, you know, branch out and listen to more stuff again, sure, because sure, I was sure. so deep in that the last few years, um, I've been listening to a lot of different types of music again. Um, I'm really loving the more kind of nineties post grunge punk sound on this album you know yeah. i mean this is definitely post grunge um, you know and there's parts of it that, that have some pretty solid I, grunge sound
0: I, I, the, the final track touch earth touch yes Why are they playing a tool song?
1: That's <laughs> great. Better.
0: That's well, and that's something I that to ask. listen
1: to this in the new tool, I'll tell you that.
0: <laughs> Most people would. 5.4 mm-hmm. in the fork. Check it, kids. Uh, you know, uh, the when I heard that, it just made me laugh because you – we uh, – our musical legends, right, our musicians in general, I think, get put on a pedestal by some people, and, and they think that they are uh, dogmatic and only about one thing. Mm. Uh, they're a monolith of the thing that you liked. So if you were in Fugazi, um, then you only you only make Fugazi music. Right. And yeah. not only that, you didn't appreciate or listen to other music. Yeah. You and I both know that's impossible to exist and create in a world exactly. if you don't listen, yeah. you don't listen to everything. And every no talented
1: player is doing right. that. Like, I mean, sure, you know, if, if you are kids – And this this I mean this does need to be acknowledged a little bit. I mean, Fugazi was really young when they were getting started, you know, even if they're coming out of another legendary band. Um, you know, there's they're still kind of kids at the time like you can get kids who don't really know how to play their instruments. I mean, this is where you know it's where garage rock comes from, it's where punk rock a lot of it comes from. You know, you get these kids who don't know how to play but they have attitude and energy and all that. That is something that, you know, I think you and I both love a lot of that music and hate a lot of that music. You know, that's not always good, but yeah, sometimes it really right. is. But one of the things with musicians on Fugazi's level um, and, you know, some of the other ones is that they they play beyond just that. Like you can hear them and you can tell there's a level of complexity to what they're doing yeah. that is beyond just – we know three chords, and we 're going to bash on our guitars and and scream, <laughs> but we like you know people do that, and they 've tied into something that makes it exceptional, um, yeah fugazi, I think from the start it was obvious that they had more to them um that 's why they have lingered and and been the legends that they have like it wasn 't just that they made good music back then, a lot of bands did um. There was something more complex. There was something well, more. Well, um, you know, I think, I, think it was, I
0: think it was part of not to turn this into a Fagazi gas, but I think I think it was mainly because their eye towards the uh, social uh, relevance yeah. and weight of their work like required that they pay attention to their social surroundings.
1: Right. There was a then, name like, that's it. it. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. And and if you're in first of all, if you're in DC. Uh, they, like, there's not a direct line between Fugazi and Gogo, but there's certainly a lot mm-hmm. of rhythms that sure. got in those records that mm-hmm. wouldn't exist if it weren't for yeah. Chuck Brown.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And they were aware, I think, of a lot of the others. I mean, honestly, like one of the things that grabbed me about um, about this album right from the start um, is the very opening part of Better Wings. Um Though it is not, you know, it doesn't sound quite like, but there, there's, um, totally an influence of Sonic Youth in there. Um, yeah. you know, and that's when you start getting into really like this. So, you know, as I said earlier, like my favorite guitar players are often acoustic players or Sonic Youth. <laughs> like I, <laughs> I love Sonic Youth. I mean, they were one of those, like, we'll never forget hearing Drunken Butterfly for the first time when I was like, I don't know, 13 or something like that. And just being like.
0: Yeah
1: whole new world opened up um you know that stuff and one of the things with sonic youth though is that they had a couple of guitar players um you know all of whom are exceptionally creative exceptionally um you know, advanced players. Um, and then you get this one guy coming in and doing stuff that sounds like them, but it's, you know, got nods of these other 90s bands. There's, and I, I hesitate to say this about somebody who's so good, but there's honestly even elements of pop punk in here, but sure, just done sure. properly. Like, they, I forget which track it was, but I was listening to yesterday and I suddenly had this flashback to this band, um, you know, pretty short-lived, I think, but I was into for a little while in high school called the Riverdales. Um, yeah, they were a spinoff yeah. of Screeching Weasel. Um, you know, and Best it's like- band name ever? Exactly. I mean, you got you got to love. You got to give some credit to Screeching Weasel if only for their band name. Um, you know, and and their uh, I think it was Anthem for a New Tomorrow. Um like I loved that album. You know, I was not a big pop punk fan, um though I was a teenager in the 90s and I was a punk fan, right. you know, so you kind of like you're you're dealing with pop punk as a punk fan at that time. I was a little more into the heavier stuff, the more political stuff, but um but there's elements of pop punk, there's elements of grunge, there's elements of Sonic Youth, there's elements of jazz. Like it's a really cool combination that works Really, really well. There's elements of Cooter.
0: Sure, this yeah. is this is what I this is what this is what blew my mind. So, uh, for people who don't know, you know, uh, Anthony's brothers in a band called Wanted Man, uh, and big in the DIY community. They play uh, three of the best musicians in the D- in DC community are in Wanted Man, who aren't named. Well, Anthony's in Wanted Man. Uh, Anthony opened up for the Darkness with Wanted Man, <laughs> which was amazing. Um, and uh, they do this thing every year that celebrates Danny Gatton, and it's – you know, and that sort of more rootsy guitar playing is something that – like if you didn't know anything about Anthony Baroque and you heard this, you'd be like, how do you get there from there? And, and 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 like you said, he's, he's so well-versed. All these guys are so well-versed in their musical history, and on this, I think why I like – I love this record, and I love it. I, I like it more than the first one, and I love the first one. It just feels more lived in. And admittedly, they, that was their pitch is mm-hmm. that we've toured. We know the band there. So that, this makes a lot of sense. But it, it seems like they are more engaging with the world around them, uh, the sonic world around them, and just being like, hey, we're here musicians making music. It doesn't have to be a thing. We're going to sound like us because we're us.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but, but look at all the sounds that we have. Yeah. Yeah. Like and, and- when, it, when it got to La Lantra. I was like and 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 people who listen to this podcast know that like I fucking love Ricofer. People know that, Yes. I was just like I was just like yes. Yes. I want to I want an entire album of just this. Yeah.
1: And yet, I mean, again, like given all the stuff that we just named, all the styles we just named, all the people that we just named, that – honestly, if I was listening to this podcast without having heard this album or heard Mm -hmm. this this group of players before, my reaction at this point would probably be it doesn't sound to me like this album is going to work. You know, like how do you put those sounds together and have it feel like one thing? You know, it sounds to me – when you know hearing us talk it sounds like okay that's going to sound clunky that's going to sound inauthentic it's going to kind of like one track sounds like this and then the next track sounds like this like hang on you know kind of jumping around here but it works really really well it's very fluid um i guess i would say that there are a couple moments um like on the last track that mm-hmm. it does change the feel a little bit but it still works really well like there's a couple times where it's kind of like hang on like what you know uh, what is this I thought I was just listening to this other thing you know but yeah it's it doesn't come through oftentimes that's a weakness in an album Um on this one it just does kind of seem like wow these guys really can pull off all these different sounds and fit them into one cohesive thing
0: and I think it plays into like the, their own internal vocabulary they set up is that they are okay with shifting within this and I think you're right you know that that there is on paper if, if as we're describing it, you might be like, that doesn't work. And I think the way around it, like back to your point, is you got you got to remove those walls in your mind, man. Yeah. Like if yeah. you're, I mean, look, I don't care how you get to this record. If you're a fan of jazz, if you're a fan of uh, Anthony Perot, if you're a fan of Fugazi, like what, however the fuck you get here, uh, once you drop the needle on it, you need to just be like, let, let this album like happen and experience it instead of like expect from it. Yeah. Yeah, and and I I don't know many albums this year that have been like that, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's it's for me that's fantastic. That's the best kind. Uh, oh, actually, I do know uh, the Bluebird album is very similar in that. Yeah, because yeah. what would you expect from that? Yeah. I I had no idea. I was just yeah. like, I was like, I know Nick's work. Mm-hmm. I know Chris Rosenau's work. So what's this going to be? And mm-hmm. for me, I thought going in, I was like, this is going to be some weird Bonnie Vera knockoff. <laughs> and it it most it most and assuredly Thankfully, it was not it most assuredly was not um but uh not that there's anything wrong with it Bonnie bear not guffs.
1: Well, maybe not with the knockoffs. There's just a lot wrong with Bonaventure. Well, we aren't doing that podcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm in Don't Wisconsin, dude. I'm i entrenched. I can say that I'm in Maine. I'm safe. You can. It's okay. You can. Uh, let me uh, put your address up there on the screen. For oh, the thank to, you, know. thank you. Yes, um, I'm about I, to move again. Yeah, but but I mean, yeah. It's this is uh, for me. This is like the type of album I want. It's yeah. not big. It's yeah. not small. It's not anything. It's just like here's. Some dudes who love music,
1: yeah, showing you the way they love music, and and I'll, I'll say it surprised me how much I want this album. um You know, when um, when it came out, I kind of said, you know, I said I didn't connect with the first one. I wanted to when this came out, like, oh, another aesthetics album, I'm like, cool, I'll check that out. You know, maybe you never know, maybe it'll grab me. And then, like, from the first moments, I was just like, oh yeah. Yeah, I want right. this right now, you know, and that kind of surprised me. And as I said, part of it is just that, like, what I'm listening to right now is shifting again. I mean, you know, you probably saw my poses. So I'm going back to grad school now, and so I'm like, hey, yeah, everybody, yeah. I need instrumental music, you know. So, so, and that means like, I mean, I've been listening to a lot of pretty scrunky jazz um the mm-hmm. last while, you know. So now I'm needing um, stuff because I'm going to be reading, you know. Thousands and thousands of pages of social welfare policy, um. So I need to like, you know, have some calmer like stuff to listen to in the sure, background. Sure. And this is this is not that, but it's just you know, all of which is just to say that we listen to music for so many different reasons. It fills so many different things for us. At least those of us who you know love music and to the level that we do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and right now this one is really surprising me how much I'm digging it, how much I'm needing it right now. Like it's just hitting me right.
0: It's it's fun, it moves, uh it, it makes you think. Yeah. Uh it, it has it has surprises throughout and uh and at the end of the day it's just fucking good. I you know, you know, to your point about like what you listen to, I think you can tune yourself to listen to this stuff. I, I think you I mean uh you know, I the reason I brought up the Satriani and the Vi is because that's what I listened to studying in college. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, then it was, it was very, and, and that is, a uh, is not the right word for that. No, it's not. Uh, uh, no. Honky, I'm, maybe. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, but uh, it, it, you know, it, 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 however you can lock into it, a certain type of music, if that works for you to get you in a certain headspace and that's, that's gonna, that's gonna be the best. Yeah. Uh, and for whatever reason, this, um, I know our friend Casey Ray loves this. I know, mm-hmm. uh, which by the way, uh, Mesthetics if you're listening, Casey Ray would like to join your band. This is neither <laughs> here nor there. Uh, God, I'd but, like to hear that. Yeah, but uh, but you know, we come from different backgrounds. We like it, and I think uh, uh, everybody else should like it, or at least give
1: it a fucking defense. yeah.
0: Aesthetics. Anthropocosmic Nest is available now. I just picked up the vinyl. I think you should too. It's on Discord Records. The famed Discord Records. It's a, uh, it's a man. I'm going to be listening to this for a long time. I'm going to listen to it a lot more than uh, my lady would like. Uh, she's not a jazz fan. It's okay. It's okay. You can like what you like. That's the point. Which is sort of why we do this podcast. You know, we, You know. we were watching the Lana Del Rey and Ann Powers kerfuffle this week, which was hilarious because uh, artists, if you put it out in the world, you are going to get critiqued. Critics, if you write something, you are also going to get critiqued. We get critiqued all the time. Sometimes we get threatened by people's moms, and that's quite all right, uh, because it all works out in the end. I mean, the point is, is that, uh, you know, nobody, especially not us, is necessarily right. And what we do here is to try to be open to opinions. That's why these are a discussion. And those opinions are mutable. So down the road, for example, you may see us talking about the Bonnie Vera. album, which I didn't want to review, but maybe I'm coming around to it. I don't know. You heard us joking about it in this, but maybe there's something there. Sometimes these things take times, and in the the vicious sort of album cycle – uh, tweet apocalypse world that we live in. Uh, we miss a lot of the subtleties in albums because it has to it has to hit in a week. It has sometimes it has to hit in like three days, or else there's the, all the traction is gone, and you're never going to hear from an album again. Personally, I think that sort of cycle is bullshit. We're trying to break it a little. I wish more people would, um, and I wish more people would maybe just say, you know what, not everything is the best. Not not everything. Just because you make something doesn't mean you're one of the greatest American songwriters. Uh, that's not that's not a thing. <laughs> In fact, well, I take that back. It is a thing. Uh, so we can do the studies. We can do the math. We can do the science because we are scientists. But uh, but yeah, so. I was just watching that, man, oh man. But at any rate, that's neither here nor there. Uh, let's get out of here. If you like what you heard, subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a rating or a message there. You can follow us on all the socials at at Chunky Glasses, because we are a Chunky Glasses production. Up there, you're going to find us and Dead to Me, also the Osiris Pod Network. Thanks again for their partnership. Uh, and uh, listen to us on Google Play, MixCut, Stitcher, and Spotify. A lot of people have been listening on Spotify lately. I kind of dig it. It's kind of cool. Coming up next... Podcast, Brad Meldau. We're just going to keep it jazz. Just going to keep it jazz this week. So if you're here for that, uh, then uh, let's do it, kids. Hang out. Be good to yourselves. Listen to some good music. Don't get too angry at the internet. We'll talk to you in a few. <laughs> Kenobi!